0: To go and turn ahead in your Bibles to the book of 2nd Timothy in chapter 3. While we're in the holy place, we'll just go ahead and look at the holy word. While the Holy Spirit's done got all up in here moving on some folks, we'll just go ahead and see if we can't please the Holy Spirit and talk about his word some. And let the Holy Spirit teach us some things. You know, last week we looked at the subject of faith. We looked at trust without reservation. Well, in order to have faith in something, you got to have a knowledge of something. In, in order to have faith in something, you have to, to hear about something in detail. You have to be able to, to read about something. This year, as we work together as Faith Baptist Church... Oh, by the way, those of you that raised your hand last week that you didn't have a one-year Bible, you wanted them. There's 20 more out there. Um, so if you just stop by the table, if you don't have one you want to be a part, I strongly encourage everybody in this church, everybody, YouTube, everybody, Facebook, live stream, wherever you are. I encourage everybody, would you join with us as we read God's word through together this year that we in one accord read God's word. See, it it doesn't matter When, when we're reading God's word together, we are gaining in knowledge. When we're reading God's word, it is increasing our faith. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how many times you've read the Bible through in a year. It doesn't matter how much you've studied the word of God, studied the Bible. It doesn't matter how many lessons you've taught, how many sermons you've preached. You cannot read the word of God and not be changed. You cannot nestle up in that holy book and it not do something in your heart. You can't spend time with the Holy Spirit of God reading that inspired word that he himself breathed out as holy men wrote. You cannot spend time in that book and it not change your life. So my congratulations to a lot of you. A lot of you finished January. <laughs> God bless you. Hardest thing to do get past that first month. Say Amen. If you're a little bit behind, catch up. If you need to skip three or four days to get caught up, check the days you missed and make them up somewhere when you have time. But, but my congratulations. I mean, you've already completed the second longest book in all the Bible. In Genesis, you've completed over half of Exodus. Just in the month of January, you finished 24 of the 28 chapters of the Gospel of Matthew. You've read 28 chapters out of the Psalms. You've read seven chapters out of the Proverbs. We've learned some things. We've read some genealogies. Somebody quote one of the genealogies for me. Yeah, right. I didn't say we would learned everything. I said we learned something. But but what we did know is that everything that God put in there is important. This morning I want to look here. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want to begin in verse number 16. We have two scriptures this morning for our text. The Bible says here that all scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I want to look this morning at the written voice of God. Father, thank you so much for being so incredibly good. Thank you that your sweet Holy Spirit would inhabit this place, God. You said you'd inhabit the praises of your people, but God, it is your inhabitation that causes the praises of your people, God. Thank you for the blood applied. Thank you, God, that you've saved our souls, saved our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've paid the price that you come in and took on the form of a body that you might pay our debt. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have come in and taken on the form of a body, and that body is ours, God, that we are the temple of God. I pray, sweet Holy Spirit, would you move in this place this morning? I pray you'd speak to each one of us. And, Father, we pray most of all that you alone would be pleased for you alone are worthy. We love you, God. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' precious, sweet, and holy name. And all God's people said, Amen. amen. So a quick question just so we can all get on the same track. How many people enjoy watching football? It's a very sorrowful time for us. Nothing left but one makeshift NFL game they call the Super Bowl. At least you got a couple decent teams. It might be all right, but oh, college football is over. War Eagle. Somebody say War Eagle back there. Stop right now. We have a prayer meeting right here. Pray for salvation for all the lost. Listen, I, I didn't mean to get a thing all messed up right there and get us all divided. We all won. Let's just, let's just say one. Let's, let's just say college football. The, the truth is we, we enjoy watching things. And, and because we watch it, well, we kind of know the rules of the game. See, it's the same with baseball. It's the same with soccer. I don't really watch soccer. Soccer wasn't a thing when I was growing up. Because it wasn't, I never played it. I just didn't see the need-me-to-runner and chase that little ball. Somebody kept kicking every time I got close to it. I mean, when I got to somebody that had the ball, I wanted to hit him. I didn't want to have to just kick the ball. So, so I love football, but I, didn't, I don't really know the, the rules of soccer. I, I never played it. I've never been around. This is not even fun for me to watch. The kind of only thing I know is if you kick it in that net and that guy called a goalie, don't stop it, you get a point. That's kind of my limit. I know a lot of you play soccer. And it's as big a deal to you as, as football is to me. But, but the, the truth is, you, you got to know the rules of the game to, to really enjoy it. To really be a, a part of it. You know, everything is changing in life. In, in football, you know, every year they keep coming up with these new rules. And these new things. Listen, one of them they can do without. These roughing the passer calls. If he is in the game... He is fair game. Period. If you ain't going to hit him, give him a skirt and let him get over with the rest of the cheerleaders. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. But if you don't want to get hit, leave the stinking football alone. But if you got the ball, you're fair game. And if you want to get hit, throw it quicker. I mean, I get that way from late hits and that stuff. But roughing the passer over some of this stuff. You know, the targeting calls. I understand trying to protect these young men. I do. I understand some blind sides to the helmet things. I understand wanting to protect from, from the concussions things that, that are there. But, I mean, somebody giving it all they got to make a play, and they probably unintentionally most times made a helmet to helmet to throw them out of the game for it. Yeah, see, I just, I just got problems. So, the bottom line just said that there, there's rule changes. And if you're going to enjoy watching the game, you really need to know the rules so you know what's going on. Or you really can't enjoy watching it, right? But especially if you're going to play the game, you got to know the rules. If you're going to play the game, you got to know you can't hold. you got to know to leave the face mask alone. I and mean, there's just some things to know. Well, all of us are busy playing the game of life. Every one of us is involved in the game and the world is constantly changing around us every day. Now, for those of us who are Christians, we're playing the game of life, but we have a standard that never changes. One thing that we can know for certain is that our God is never changing. The Word of God tells us He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means He never has changed. He's never going to change. The world is constantly changing. We we look at technology, you know, they come out with an iPhone 14 and everybody runs out and spends money they don't have to run out and get one. And you know, they tell us that it's already outdated in technology before you can even buy it. You may have the first one off the shelf, the first one out of the store. It was outdated before you got it because technology is moving so fast that everything is so superior before they can even get it developed and put it in your hand because of the speed of technology and the changing medicine. I mean, you just think a few years back, I remember my dad had an open heart triple bypass. Those things, thank the Lord, are pretty much unheard of for the most part, right, Charlie? They they still do some open heart stuff, but but thank God, John, they, they don't always have to do it, right? They can give you 18 stints. You don't have to have your chest open up. Technology's come a long way. There's a lot of things that, that they can do. I'll be honest, even the way we shop has changed. Somebody say amen. I mean, this morning, I didn't want to be out tomorrow, so I didn't want Robin to have to go to the store. And I, 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 I hopped on Amazon ordered me some Pop-Tarts that'd be here in the morning. Right? I mean, I tar- people at Christmas shopping and doing the things that, that they did, they talked about how the crowds were down this year Christmas shopping. You know why? Changed the way we shop. I mean, you got one 800, send me one. And because you don't have to have money, you just put it on plastic. It doesn't really sound like it costs you all that much. The, the bottom line is everything in our lives is changing. Even the way we worship, even the way things in church, everything is changing. But the word of God tells in Hebrews 13:8 that Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. God's word encompasses every area of of our life. We looked at it there in, in chapter 16. It, the word doctrine there, it comes from a word that simply means instructions or teaching. So the word of God is our instructions, our our doctrine. The word for reproof, it comes from a word that means proof, conviction, and evidence. So the word of God is our proof. The word of God is what convicts us. The word of God is the evidence of everything we need. Um, cor- correction there is used, it means to straighten up again. That's one that gets used a lot, right? It, it means to restore. To a correct path. That's what the word of God does. It takes us when we get out of line. It takes us when we wander off. It takes us when we get a little bit straight. And it brings us back to, back to the straight path. To the narrow path. To walk in it. That word instruction. Notice it's not just instruction. It says instruction in righteousness. That means it's Christian instruction. This is holy instruction. The word of God is righteous instruction. So that the Christian might know the truth. According to the word of God. To have faith in God, we must have a knowledge of God. To have faith in God's word, then we must know what God's word says. God's word is truth. Truth never changes. Truth doesn't change from one age to another from one generation to another or, or from one season to another. Truth doesn't vary from, from one people to another, from one language to another or from one continent to another. Men's ideas change. Even the customs of generations change. Somebody go ahead and tell me the custom in your generation at my age is the same right now that it was back to when you was a boy or a girl. I mean, there's not even many similarities to the country that I grew up in. Outside of love and football, most everything in my life has changed. Everything about what we do. So we're we're living in this this deal where customs are constantly changing. Even moral codes may get adapted at times. Things that that are allowed and disallowed by by the minds of men. But the, the word of God never changes. Malachi 3 6, God said, I am the Lord. I change not. Franklin Graham said, God's word is mankind's only sure guide to life, external and abundant. It brilliantly reflects the holy, unchanging character of God himself. Isaiah said in chapter 40 and verse 8, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. God's laws, God's rules, God's word, God's commandment never changes. Listen, God doesn't take opinion polls. God God doesn't go from generation to generation and take a census to find out what they like or to find out what they want. God stands firm from one generation to another. The problem with this world today, the problem with this church today is even Christians want to change that book to fit their life. That ain't never going to work. This book is not written to change, to fit your life. This book is written to change your life, to fit this book. This is God's unchanging word. And this is what he expected out of mankind in the beginning. This is what he'll expect out of mankind in the end. This is what he expects out of mankind today. Isaiah chapter 40, the word of God says in verse 28, Has thou not known? Has thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, The creator of the ends of the earth fainteth not, neither is weary. There's no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and them that have no might, he increaseth in strength. Psalms chapter 102, verse 25 says of old, Thou hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. Isn't that awesome? They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all them shall wax old like a garment, as a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end." So the truth is, it is God's will for us to read his book so that we might gain knowledge, so that we might grow in the Lord. The Lord did not save us to remain babes in Christ. The Lord gave us a book to teach us. The book's got everything from the smallest dose of milk to the biggest full course meal, including T-bone and steak and and dessert. It's got everything that we need so that we might grow in Christ. But here's the truth, and here's what I want to look at this morning. As surely as you set out to read God's word daily, as surely as you set out to complete God's word in one year, as surely as you set out to pray daily, as surely as you set out to grow in your life closer to To the Lord The enemy will do everything he can To hinder your growth One of the devil's simplest Yet most effective tools Is busyness Y'all hear me now Don't write me off yet If you can go to sleep Wait till after this one You got nine points after this one So don't The the truth is Some of you can relate to this right now and, And you're fixing to realize what happened You're like How did I get so busy? I mean, I, 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 it's like I don't have time to do nothing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Especially since the first of the year. You know what happened? You committed to read God's word this year. You, you committed to draw closer to the Lord this year. You committed that we're going to read the book together, and we're going to become one that the Holy Spirit of God unites us at one that the Holy Spirit might use us to do a mighty work to reach Lagrange, Georgia, with the gospel of Jesus Christ, that souls might be saved, lives might be changed, that God might reach literally around the globe. But it has to start right here. And all of a sudden, the devil decides, "I'll just get him busy. I'll just get him busy." You, you know, we we read about it this week. Moses went to Pharaoh according to the word of God. Remember the burning bush and he sent him. And so Moses goes to Pharaoh according to the word of God. Aaron's with him. And he says, God told me to come and tell you, let my people go. Let us go that we might go into the wilderness so that we might worship our God. And what Pharaoh do? Who's your God? Who do you think your God is coming here and tell me? what do? You? Let, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I, I, I'm, I'm going to... Obviously, your people have too much time on their hands. Obviously, making all the bricks I've got to making ain't enough. They think they got time to go out and worship, so we're going to make them busy. What I'm going to do is, instead of the Egyptians furnishing the straw, they're, they're going to have to go out and, and find those things. So, so what, what the enemy did was he tried to make it so busy that they didn't have time to think about worship. see, the devil will do the same thing to you and I. And the devil will even disguise some of those things to make it look like a blessing from the Lord. Stay with me now. You can write me off after this one, but don't leave me on this one. See, it may look like a job opportunity. It may look like a raise opportunity. It may look like an an advancement opportunity. But if it takes up all of your time so that you can't be at church. uh Uh-oh. You can't have time to read God's word. You can't have time to pray daily. You can't have time with home with your family. The most important thing that God has given you here on here, if it takes your time so that you can't do things if it draws your attention away from the things of God then it's not from God because God's never going to give you anything to take you away from him the devil doesn't mind allowing you to be successful at things in your life the devil doesn't mind you having money as long as that money keeps you away from church as long as the pursuit of that money keeps you away from reading God's word, the devil do not mind you having money the devil don't mind you being successful. The devil don't mind you being successful at work. The devil don't mind you being successful at sports. The devil doesn't mind you being successful at anything as long as that anything takes you away from God. As long as that anything keeps you too busy to serve God. The devil even attempt to take some good things and make them look bad to try to hinder you from growing closer to the Lord. I can give you an example. Every one of us in here has read this book that we believe with all of our heart, our heart, mind, body, soul is the Word of God. Every one of us in here has read this book and said, do what? Every one of us in here has read something in this book that you didn't understand. Everybody in here has read something that was a little, a little puzzling. You couldn't put it together. You prayed, to asked God to help you understand. What the devil will begin to do, he'll take something you didn't understand and he'll begin to make it a confusion in your mind. And before you know it, he'll make a discouragement in you. And before you know it, you're no longer reading the book. And all it started was God may have even hid something from you to give you a hunger, a desire to make you search deeper. The devil will do everything he can to keep you out of that book. He'll also try to tell you things that sound good to set you up for failure. You think about what he did to Eve in the garden. Look at the fruit, man. It looks good, don't it? Don't ever look. In Jesus' name, depart from me, devil. Don't look. The truth is, fruit's going to look pretty good. Number one, he brought a fruit that God made so you know it's going to look pretty good. Fruit don't feel bad, does it? Don't touch it. Don't touch it. Don't let the devil hand it to you. You know, when you touch it, it's hard to go back. Once you got your hands on it, you've taken the the, the biggest step. You, you've already stepped over into the devil's world when, when you touch. He said, don't, it don't feel bad, does he? Here, but here's what. He, he didn't say, look, it's not going to make you against God, which was a lie. Because if God said, don't do it, then to do it, it's going to make you against God. But what he did, he he. He colored it around, said it's not going to make you against God. What it's going to do, it's going to make you like the gods. Oh, that don't sound so bad, right? I mean, who don't want to be like the gods? See, I truly believe with everything in me, with all my heart, I believe that every person in this place, every person on live stream, I believe that every one of us wants to know the voice of God. I believe that every single one of us wants to hear the voice of God. We want to recognize the voice of God. We want to grow closer to the Lord. I believe that. But, but the devil can use our wants and lead us in the wrong direction if you're not careful. The devil is a mastermind at distorting little things and changing around. Now, I'm going to tell you a few things that, this morning. that you I'm going to tell you, God's not going to say these things to you. These are things that God will never say. You know how I know that? Because they're contrary to his already written revealed word. God will never say anything that is in contradiction to God's written voice. Number one, there are Christians today, and I'm going to use that word very loosely just because they claim to be Christians. I'm not casting a stone. I'm not passing a judgment. The Bible says I can know them by their fruits, and that ain't what their fruit says. Uh, but if you want to get a Christian to listen, if you want to get a Christian to pay attention, what's the best thing to do? Say, well, I'm a Christian. Let me tell you some things right here. So, so there are those who at least claim to be Christians who say that there is more than one way to get to heaven. No, there's not. There, there are those today that, 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 that say that Jesus Christ is not the only way. I'm sorry, but Jesus said I am. I am. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. And he said this, no man cometh unto the Father but by me, then what's your other way? If Jesus said, ain't no man coming to the Father but this way, then how can you say you got another way? So to say that Jesus Christ is not the way, the truth, and the life is to deny Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4, Peter was on trial in verse number 11. He said, this is talking about Jesus, the stone which is set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there's not another name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So to say that there's another way is to say that the word of God is incorrect. To say that there's another way to God says that God don't know what he's talking about when he's the one that made the way in the first place. See, there's voices all in the world. Some of these are very popular voices. Some of these are very idolized voices. These are Hollywood voices. These are people that donate millions to charity and say, look at my good works. They say I donate millions of charity but because well, I just believe in serving God. And, and they put things in counting on, on their works. They claim that, that they're going to heaven. But if the voices are saying that Jesus Christ is not the only way, then the voices are of the devil. The voices are a liar, period. God will never tell you to put your faith in a different God. God is never going to tell you to put your trust in a different person. God is never going to tell you to put your eternity in a different Savior. The voice of God will never tell you that there's anything other than the blood of Jesus Christ, Calvary's cross, the shedding of the blood of Jesus on that hill that he sprinkled at the right hand, the empty tomb. The word of God is never going to tell you that it's different because it's already written. And if the word of God tells you that Jesus is the only way, you can write it down that God himself is never going to tell you there's another way. Number two, many Christians are discouraged today because of the lies of the devil. Anybody still with me? Three or four. God will never tell you that you're not good enough. God made you. God will never tell you that, that you're not pretty enough. You're not smart enough. You're not witty enough. You're not wise enough. You're you're not intelligent enough. God will never tell you that you're not enough because God will never discourage you. God will never tear you down. Can I give you another? God will never use your past against you. Now, if you have something in your life that is a sin that you have not confessed and given before God and you have not repented from and turned away from, then God will take that and, and rebuke you and chastise you, but that is as a disobedient child. God will never take the sins of your past, the things that you've put under the blood and ask for forgiveness, and bring that up as something against you. Anything that demeans you, anything that discourages you, anything that tears you down, that voice is not of God. Number three, God's voice will never instruct you, teach you, or tell you in any way that it is okay to sin. Sin is sin. Lying, stealing, murder, adultery. Sin sin is sin. And and sin is against God. And because sin is against God in the book, sin is against God, period. And he's never going to tell you, well... It's okay to just tell this little lie just this one time. It's not going to happen. He's never going to tell you, well, it's okay to take it this one time without saying anything or without paying for it just just this one time. He's never, God is never going to tell you that it is okay to go outside of your marriage for pleasure. See, the, the devil will add things to it. He'll say, it'll be okay this one time. God wants you to be happy. See how he'll buy you right into the lie? God does want you to be happy. That's why he provided salvation and everything else that we need. But but the truth is, God has everything that we need to make us happy. What, what the devil will get you buying in. He'll say something to, to kind of get you listening in. And, and then the devil will, will tell you something that's right. God does want you to be happy. He'll turn around and use that to turn it into something that's wrong. The hall of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 says, By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He said, I don't have anything to do with the gold or the idols of Egypt. I don't have anything to do with the gods of this world. He refused to be called that. Choosing rather to affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the you got it up there somebody better look closely at that right there you see it pleasures of what for how long that means judgment day is coming he says he refused to to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season sin may have its pleasures but make no mistake it also has its consequences The voice of God will never tell you to do anything that is a sin. Number four, the voice of God will never tell you that it is okay to talk bad about a brother or sister in Christ. If you're gossiping about a brother or sister in Christ, God ain't in that. If somebody's gossiping to you, God ain't in that. You need to put a stop to it. He'll never tell you that it is okay to sow discord among the brethren. Proverbs chapter 6, the Bible says, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, God hates pride. It says, A lying tongue, so we know that God hates lying. Hands that shed innocent blood, we know that God hates murder. A heart that divides its wicked imagination, God hates the inventors of evil things. Can I tell you, there's a lot of that going on in our world today. There's a lot of evil stuff going on, a lot of evil inventions, feet that be swift and run into mischief. God hates those who spread gossip. Oh, you ain't got to look outside the church to find those that dive off into Facebook and everything else just looking for something so they can spread it around. A false witness that speaks lies. That's, that's making up lies. That's the creators of the gossip. That's the one that stirs the pot. God hates that. And he that soweth discord among the brethren. The Bible says here that that is an abomination to God. So you have seven things right there in the one passage that we know the voice of God will never tell you. Jesus told us that the second greatest commandment is the what? Love thy neighbor as thyself. Romans chapter 13, we read it on Wednesday night, verse number 8, where Paul said, "Oh no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehend, comprehended in this saying, namely, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Verse number 10 simplifies it like this. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to steal from him. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to cheat on him. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to lie to him. That's what it says. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. So if we love somebody, we're going to treat them right. Amen. And, and, And then he closed out and said, Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. 1 John chapter 4, verse 6 says, We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us, and he that's not of God heareth not us. Hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not God, or he, he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because if God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him here in His love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, then we ought also to love one another. If the voice is telling you anything that is negative against the church, that is negative against God, that is negative against the brethren, it is not of God. God will never even tell you that it is okay to hate your enemy. God will never tell you that it is okay to speak evil against your enemy. Jesus, Sermon on the Mount Matthew, chapter 5, said, You have heard it been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you. Now, this is the Son of God talking. Seems like a pretty reliable source to me. Anybody second that? So since it's such a reliable source, I'm going to go ahead and read it, okay? I say unto you, Love your enemies bless them that curse you do good to them that hate you pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you that ye may be the children of your father which is in heaven for he maketh the son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust for even if you love them which love you what reward have you did not even the publicans do the same if you salute your brethren only What do you more than others? Do not even the publicans do so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. That word perfect right there means complete. What he says is that we're to have a spiritual character about us, both mental and moral. A spiritual character will pray for those who speak against you. Well, let's just move on to number five. God will never tell you that you cannot be forgiven. God will never tell you that, that you cannot be saved. If he did, he'd have to take Romans 10 13 out of the book because it says, Whosoever. Thank God for the whosoever's in the house shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. 2 Peter 3 9, the Lord's not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all, that all is everybody. He doesn't exclude anybody. God may hate sin, but he loves a sinner. That's what Calvary's for. That, 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 that all should come to repentance. God will never tell you that your sin is too great. He'll never tell you that your failure is too significant or, or your faults are too many. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, This then is the message which we've heard of him and declaring unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from what? How many? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from what? How much of it? 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, the blood of Jesus Christ never stops cleansing sin. Somebody ought to do a lap around the building right there. Somebody ought to hit the parking lot, bounce off. We need. A little, I'm, I'm missing a little bit of Pentecostal right there. Somebody ought to shout Jesus' blood never stops washing away your sin. Jesus' blood never stops erasing our past or even our present. The blood of Jesus Christ is always sufficient. The devil is a liar. There is nothing that you have done that God cannot forgive through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number six, the voice of God will never lead you to doubt God. James 1.3, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, uh, or the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not a man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Matthew 21, 21, Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, if ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do to this which was done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. Then more than a year ago now, I don't even remember really when it was, thank God. I just remember the 10 days that Robin was in the hospital with COVID. I just remember the hopelessness of the situation. I remember Corey and I at home on oxygen. I remember calling out to God over and over. But I remember that my first Sunday back at church, I came in here and and I shared about what we've been through. I I shared about the nights and the 2.30 and 3.30 in the morning crying out to God. And how finally after hours one night at 4.30 in the morning, how God broke through. And, And I knew when God's presence came in the room. And we talked about trust. And we talked about trusting God and how, how, how God delivered us. And there's some who misunderstood that. And I know I've clarified that one time before, but there were some who thought, well, I must not trust God enough. I mean, I guess that's why I'm going through the things I'm going through. I guess I didn't trust enough. I, I guess that's why my family member must have died of COVID because I, I didn't trust enough. That's not true. That's not true at all. And, and that's, that's not what I said. See, I, I, I believe when I say this, that I'm speaking for probably every one of us. In here and out there. I have absolutely no doubt. About who God is. None. I have absolutely no doubt. About what God can do. And that is anything. He spoke all of the heavens. Into existence in six days. With the sound of his voice. I have absolutely no doubt. That God hears every prayer. That I ever pray. And he keeps them as a vial of sweet odors. In heaven he talks about the prayers of the saints. So I do not believe. That you can pray a prayer. As a child of God. That God does not hear. That doesn't mean that. I didn't know whether or not God was going to show up the way that I wanted him to. Right? If we knew how God was going to answer, then we wouldn't be anxious. I know the Bible says be anxious or nothing, but it can't can't be talking about when your loved one is up there with COVID in the hospital and all that's going on, right? Well, yeah, it is. I may not be supposed to be anxious, but I was. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So... It's not that you know that God's going to answer things the way you want him to because God's already told us his ways are not our ways, his ways are higher. His thoughts are not our thoughts because his thoughts are higher. So it's because we don't know the mind of God. We don't know how God is going to show up in a situation. So we had had no way of knowing how that was going to turn out. We had no way of knowing if God would heal our family. We had no way of knowing if God would heal my wife. But here's what I did have a perfect way of knowing I knew he could. None of us have doubt about who our God is. None of us have a doubt about what our God can do. If there's a voice in your mind that's causing you to doubt God, the things of God, the power of God, the ability of God, then it's not of God. God will never try to tear down our trust and create doubt. Number seven, the voice of God will never tell you to fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Fear doesn't come from God. Fear of sickness, that doesn't come from God because there's no sickness that God can't heal. Fear of the enemy doesn't come from God because there's no enemy that God can't conquer. Fear even of the evil spirits. James says in chapter 2, verse 19, I believe it says one God, they do as well. The devils also believe, you ready? And tremble. If the devils fear our God, then why would we fear those who are under the hand of our God? Somebody doesn't want to sleep on me. Verse number 9 says, Wherefore God hath highly exalted him, and give him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, that at the name of Jesus, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will what? He'll flee from you. God will never do anything to cause you to fear. Number eight, the voice of God will never tell you to disobey authority or or to break the law. If man were to make laws against the word of God, if the United States government, God forbid, but I don't know that one day they won't because of the way they're going. But if, if, if the United States government passed a law that you cannot read the word of God, Christians can't keep that law. If the government were to pass a law that says you cannot pray to God, Christian cannot keep that law. If the government were to pass a law that says you cannot worship God, Christian can't keep that law. If the government became like Nebuchadnezzar and built a 90 foot tall statue and said, at the sound of all the musical instruments, everybody must bow down and worship that God, God said, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not bow down to them nor worship them. So if they said, You got to worship an idol, a Christian cannot keep that law. But we've not seen those kind of laws. But we've seen stuff like speeding. I went ahead and threw that one in because that's like chief (laughs) sinner. Stop signs, red lights. Taxes. Say, oh, y'all happy you're finna get a tax return. Most of the rest of the world, we're finna have to pay them some more. Like we ain't give them enough already. But here's the truth. If the law is not against the law of God, then it is up to Christians to be upstanding citizens and keep the law. How can we claim to be of God and do things that are wrong? I'm just saying the voice of God is never going to tell you it's okay to break the law if that law doesn't conflict the Word of God. Let me give you one more. You ready? The voice of God will never tell you in any way that God doesn't love you. Romans 5 8 clarified that, but God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That word commendeth right there, it, it comes from where it means God exhibited. God commended, God put his love on display in that while we were yet sinners, lost in our sin, out there in the world. That means on our worst day, when we were committing our worst sin, that God sent his only begotten son to die for us because that is how much he loves us. And just like everything else about God, that will never change. God loves you. Nothing can change that, no matter what the enemy tells you, no matter what we've done in our past. Anybody to talking about? Anybody, the devil, like throwing your past up in your face, something you've done in your past? Anybody like to remind you of what you were like before you were saved? The the devil likes to to, to throw that junk. Listen, even if your past wasn't that long ago, every, every sin in our life wasn't before we were saved, right? In any, well, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Just kind of a mental thought. Anybody here done anything against God since you were saved? See, the enemy will try to tell you, you can't be forgiven for that. I mean, you were a child of God. You'd already, you're on this side of Calvary. You've already used the blood for forgiveness. You're on this side. You knew better, and you did it anyway. That, that's the lie that, that the devil wants to tell. But can I tell you this? If the blood of Jesus Christ was enough to make you a child of the king... Then the blood of Jesus Christ is enough to keep you a child of the king. And if the blood can't keep you, nothing will. Because there's nothing, they just just it. there's nothing like the blood, amen? Forgiveness, forgiveness is always just a sincere prayer away. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8.31, Paul said, what should we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Certainly not going to add to the God, because if you read over in the back of the book, it talks about when somebody adds to the word of God, right? All the plagues, this book will be added to you. So the last thing I'm going to do is, is add anything to the word of God. But I'll just throw that little phrase in there you've heard before. If God is for us, it really doesn't matter who's against us. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we're killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I'm persuaded that neither death Thank you, Lord. Death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing can stop God from loving you. Your greatest mistake, your greatest failure does not hinder God one bit. It does not hinder the blood of salvation one bit. It does not hinder the blood of forgiveness one bit. Anything that tells you that you're not enough or anything that tells you that God doesn't love you because that's a lie from the devil. Greg, you guys come on. Band, come on up. Here's here's what I want us to be assured because I, I want us to complete this as a church. I want us to complete the reading of the Word of God as a church. I I would love for everybody in this place to complete this reading Bible. One year, complete the Bible. Because I know God will do something in your life. I know God will do something in the church. We cannot read God's Word and not be changed. But I also know this. That when you set out to read the Word of God. When you set out to have a, a daily reading plan or something in addition to what you already did in terms of your study plan. When you set out to pray more fervently, more effectively. I mean, do you believe the word of God? that the, the effectual prayer, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Y'all, y'all believe that? You know who else believes that? The devil. So if he can get in the way of that, you got to know he's going to, right? So, so what I know is that when you set out to, to read the word of God, when you set out to grow in the word of God, when you, when you set out to, to hear the voice of God, when you set out to build a relationship with God, to try and draw closer, the more you try to hear the voice of God, the more noise the enemy is going to make. The more you try to draw closer to God, the more the enemy is going to try to wedge things in there. The more you try to spend time seeking God, serving God, worshiping God, learning about God, reading about God, making the will of your life fit the things of God, the the more the enemy is going to do to try to make you busy. He's going to try to give you things, even things that you enjoy. Right? Somebody with me. We, We do the things that we enjoy, right? So if he knows it's the things we enjoy, can he not make those things work? And and God allows him to do that. Now we get to choose what's it going to be. God or pleasures. It it, it doesn't have to be a wicked thing. It doesn't have to be a wicked thing to to take us away from God. Anything that that causes us to be too busy to spend time with God, it's, it's a bad thing. So don't let anything get in your way. By now, most of you probably have figured out some time of reading that works best for you, whether it's the morning, it's the afternoon, it's the evening. By now, most everybody has a time when that works best. Protect that time because that's the time the devil will target. The time that you've decided is the best time for you to read, that'll be the time that he'll want your phone to ring or something to do or something you want to do, or some opportunity to come up. But the time that you've established, that's the time I want to read. That's my time of day. Listen, don't make it a hit or miss. Don't make it a hit or miss. Because if you make it a hit or miss, a lot of times you're going to miss because before you know it, it's eating, you sit down and you're tired and you realize you ain't read it yet, and you got to get up and go all the way over there six feet away to get your Bible to finish your reading today. And you already crashed in for the day. Don't make it a hit or miss. Find your time. I just want you to know that the time that you dedicate to God is the time that the enemy is going to dedicate to you. Anybody still awake? The time that you desire to grow closer to God is the time that the enemy is going to try to get in your way to keep you from going closer to God. I'm just telling you that because you've completed January. You've got past the hardest month. You're going into February and you've got your sight set on reading the gospel. It doesn't matter if you've done it 50 times. You've got your sight set together as this church. That we're going to read the word of God together. The enemy is going to do everything he can to stop that. The Bible tells us to try the spirits. See what manner they are. 1 John 4, 1, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. they are of God because many false prophets are going out into the world. Hereby know you the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof you've heard that it should come into the world and even now already is in the world. Verse number four says, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That book is God's written voice. If anything you have, anything you hear is not in line with that book, then it's not of God. I want to ask you to stand where you are. I want to ask all of you Christians right now, would you pray for the lost? Pray if there's anybody even on live stream that's never trusted Christ, that the Holy Spirit would do a miracle today. Their lives would be changed, their souls would be saved. Pray for yourself, pray for your family, that God would put a hedge of protection about you, about you, about your time, about your family, that God would would, would keep you in His hand. don't ask your heads bowed eyes closed if you know that you know that you know that you're saved born again washed in the blood of the Lamb of God you're going to heaven when you die because of what Jesus Christ did for you at Calvary and because you've accepted the gift for no other reason but Jesus Christ and you know that you know you're going to heaven because of Christ I want you to raise your hand right where you are you're all over the building all over the building hands raised hands raised thank you Jesus for the blood applied. If you could not raise your hand, you can change all that. All you got to do is trust in the book. You believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. You believe that man was separated by sin with Adam and Eve in the garden, that Jesus Christ made a way of redemption through the blood on Calvary's cross, that he shed his blood for remission of your sins. You believe that he rose from the grave on the third day to give you eternal life over death, hell, and the grave. You believe those things. It's by faith because that's what God's word says. If you believe those things, it's up to you to say, Father, I'm a sinner because there must be a confession of your own mouth. Father, I'm a sinner. But I'm asking you to forgive me of all those sins. I know you're the only one that can. I'm asking you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the only begotten of God, would you forgive me of all my sins and write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Make me a child of the King. I ask all these things in faith. It's not a lip service, God. I'm surrendering my heart to you right now. I'm asking you to be Lord of my life. If you're faithful to ask, he's faithful to save your soul.